military, and veterans. Thank you so much, VetTix. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to VetTix, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience, give the memory. VetTix, give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to VetTix.org. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning. We are here. We are live. We are in the studio, both of us. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. And folks, he was here about 20, minute, 20 yeah. minutes before showtime today. That, that That's a first. What's going on? Um, no sleep. <laughs> um, you know, folks, Tom and I were talking about it before. I'm a, I'm a CPAP wearer. And then it's because I'm, you know, getting to be more round than tall. And uh, if you, anybody out there, if you have a CPAP and your mask leaks in the middle of the night, it starts whistling and it wakes you up. And so I had it happen 20 times last <laughs> night. So it's just, even, you, you know, you go to bed. isn't an exaggeration? Um, no, I don't think it is. It, it just isn't. I always when it's on my left side for one reason or another, which is the side I, I tend to sleep on. So if it sounds like I'm tired, I probably am, but I will still try to be my sharp and beautiful and, and so, uh, witty self because I still am the best looking man in radio. So town. you're divesting all of your portfolio that includes anything that has to do with the company that makes CPAP machines. <laughs> Well, actually, what it should be is, is uh, you know, some guy that has a place up north should have the water turned on at this point in time yet, which is a little early. So that way I can wash the mask before I go to bed, which I is you wipe it down. All right. 715-845-2155. In order to call here, if you have a question for Merle, today would be the day to get it answered. He is live and in the studio, and we are looking for things to talk about. And uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is this... Uh, these uh, stories that we're seeing now about the booming economy, uh, mm -hmm. the economy just starting a boom period, according to one story I'm reading on CNBC, where second quarter growth could top 10% and 2021 could be the strongest year since 1984. Now, yeah, at the yeah. risk of, of, of inflation rearing its ugly head, which the Fed says they will they will take care of when, in fact, it happens. They're not going to do anything now, but uh, that's pretty good news for folks like you right well it's fantastic news across the board truthfully you know when, when i look at what's going on and i i, I have an article that's from uh oh geez i gotta get his name in here folks i apologize here we go uh from philip van dorn so that i'm good uh, part of the weekend reads and so they said is the really uh, is there really going to be a six percent gdp growth throughout the course of this year you're talking about the quarter and i think the answer is yes you know and and we look at this and say, well, that's fantastic. It, it truly is because it continues to keep bringing us back. When I look at this, though, and I put it with inflation, we're at kind of a, um, a point, in my opinion, that if we don't get growing fast enough to suck up the cash that's out there and get people back to work so we can make our widgets and our widget machines, uh, we could have some inflationary pressures, which, of course, the balance is out there. Um, inflation, folks, as we've heard many times in this program, is too much money chasing too few goods. And we have a ton of cash out there with all the stimulus money that's been floating around. And as a result of that, 
uh, people are having a difficult time buying the goods and services they want because there's not enough people making them at the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so with that, we need to have that balance coming back. So, you know, we're looking at 6% growth, potentially 10% coming up for the this quarter. Um, and we look at those numbers, and are they real? The answer is yes. And the reason is because we're, we're getting our shots. We're, we're getting the vaccinations. We're getting back to work. People are starting to, you know, to do more work. People are trying to get start, starting to get out, buying more goods and services, consumable types of subjects and, or uh, types of items. And so we are going to have that growth. And if I had to guess, and this is just the Merle Kelch guess and opinion, um, also comes around from some economists too, is my guess is we're going to end up having some economic growth for the next four, six, maybe even as much as eight quarters, providing the fact that we don't have the corporate tax rate go up too high that we've uh, talked about. Tom and I are disagreeing with this, so I'm giving some good old-fashioned education, folks, and uh, furthering his path down uh -huh. the conservative yeah, okay. way. All right. Uh -huh. um, would <laughs> all of this be happening? You talked about you know people are out there spending, and we there's a. There's a, a note here in the article I'm reading. Bank of America's credit card data shows a 67% surge of uh, spending over the last uh, seven, over last year in the seven days ending April 3rd, fueled by stimulus checks. So would this recovery be happening as quickly if, in fact, the government did not do the stimulus checks that are allowing people to either catch up with their bills or go out and do more spending than they did a year ago? I don't know, but I think there's aspects of it that the answer would be we'd be do actually doing it faster of some things. Um, so here's my point. Remember when we started having some some economic downturns and this kind of stuff, and we could see, I think it was President Bush, we were saying, here's 200 bucks, go spend it someplace. I mean, so this is essentially that, but on steroids. So do some people need it? Yeah, but the savings rate is going up dramatically. In fact, um, uh, savings rate is up some 24% uh, higher than it's ever been. So the amount of savings, it was called the M1 and M2 money supply, which is cash. Is just astronomical right now. So there's cash all over the place. So there, could it, there have been too much stimulus? Possibly. But a part of the stimulus package that I think is having a slowdown for us, and there's going to be somebody who's on unemployment getting the bonus that's going to be mad at me, and I'm not picking on you, of course. But one of the things that tends to happen in an economic recovery as you start growing back again is that unemployment tends to go through longer. Unemployment is at a point where it uh, uh, dissuades people from going back to work. And I'm not saying that a mean thing is called an hourly worker. There's been conversations about this on CNBC throughout the course of the last two weeks. And so with the bonus and unemployment going out till September, I think that actually slows us down because many of those people would have been going back to work and seeking out work again. Again, not picking on anybody, but I think if that at large was happening from an economic standpoint, we would be recovering faster, quicker, and stronger. You know, and we those, wouldn't have as much of an inflationary pressure. There are those people that make the argument that if someone is not looking for a job because they're comfortable on unemployment. That says more about the wages that are being paid to people at the bottom than it does about the unemployment. Well, potentially. Uh, but remember, we in America, we get to make whatever we want to. We just have to invest in ourselves enough to get there. So, I mean, make that a point. It doesn't matter. I know somebody, and I was just talking to them yesterday. Um, he had hip surgery. <clears throat> and uh, with the hip surgery... Uh, you know, he's doing very well. He said, you know, I can get back to work now. He said, I think I could. He said, but when I take the, you know, the unemployment and the bonus that I'm getting and I, the gas I'm driving back and forth to my work, he said, I'm making $7 more a week. And he said, so I'm just taking extra time uh, to heal and, and that whole bit. And he said, it's kind of nice, but he said, I got to get back to work. So, so that is happening and he's not at the minimum wage scale in a job that he has. The unemployment and the bonus is really good, which is fantastic. It's really good. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is, is we have to start producing widgets. We got to get those widgets made and we got to get the, the hourly. And again, not my words, but uh, um, boy, I can't think of the guy's name who said it, but um, we have to get the hourly folks back to work again. And uh, that's going to be a big thing of turning, turning things around. You know, we look at, uh, you know, wood, for example, you know, you know, a stick of lumber, the prices have gone up considerably, not because we don't have any trees. I mean, America's got plenty of trees. It's just that a lot of the hourly workers aren't there as a result of it. And so with it, you don't have the ability to get out as much wood as possible. I'm just using this as an example, folks. And so as a result of that, then whatever sticks and wood and chunks that we have out there in plywood, um, the prices are going up and it's essentially a bidding war because uh, people can dry off the price. So if we have the ability to make more, those prices come down, inflationary futures or inflationary pressures come down, and we continue to expand in more of a normalized fashion. So the great expansion that we're going to have right now really isn't, of course, both political sides are going to say they did it, but it's not. It's an equalization of coming back to a parity um, of where the market should be. And so the dramatic rise is because of people getting back to work and the widgets and the widget machines getting built once again. I think that's the direction that we have to go. And so if we didn't have the stimulus, would it have been better? I don't know. But I think if we didn't have the expanded unemployment, we would have probably got there faster. So, Maybe the numbers would even be better. So as an investor then, and uh, if you're looking, you're reading these stories about you know 10% this quarter, or as you mentioned, 6% possibly for the year, where do you look for then to put all of this cash you have back into the market? What what are places where you, oh, yeah, that, you yeah. that you go? I tell you what, I mean, some of the places that I like looking at are consumables, you know, consumable companies right now. Um, you look at it, um, friends of mine that work at eBay, um, in management at eBay, they said, we are selling more shoes than we've been able for a long time. East Bay, I'm sorry. I said <laughs> eBay, oops. Um, we're selling more shoes than we ever had and uh, absolutely off the charts. And so there's a consumable that's doing good. People are buying it. Um, I like the online shopping experience places, you know, so if you're looking at... Uh, uh, Amazon, Facebook, all that kind of stuff where people are buying and consuming stuff. I like that because people are spending money and a lot of the Gen X and, and millennials are spending it online versus anything else. With the exception of maybe you and I, we're probably the only two old guys that actually do most of our shopping online. Now, we're not, we're not alone. <laughs> I, I... Okay, there might be six more of us. Oh, you're, you're talking about us doing shopping online as opposed to going to brick and mortar stores. Yes. I see, yeah. okay. And so I, I like the idea of that. Um, so, so those are the places I like right now. I think I think they've really got a lot of good places to go. And I think they have a lot of expansion going forward. So as we talked about, I also about like the travel industry and and uh, uh, you know, the movie theaters. You know, I, I like this. They're going to start getting back to work and seeing movies. I'm going to go next week and see. Uh, well, everybody's got to go see King Kong and Godzilla. You really don't, but uh, that's okay. oh yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, so buy low when you come when it comes to the travel industry and the leisure industry, right? At this point, right? Well, it's it's you know we've talked about it before. I like stuff that's on sale. Yeah, guilt by association. So the travel industry, the the entertainment industry, it's it's nose has been bloody not because of a fault of its own, but uh, because of COVID, because of the pandemic. Uh, we just weren't getting out. We're going to get back again. So those stocks, of course, were not making profit. We saw the stock prices fall, and you know what? And that's what happens. Um, and so I think those are places to look at and say, well, geez, uh, do we think this will fit inside of our portfolio? Again, folks, I'm not running out to tell you to go buy these, just to make sure. But there's some places to start looking at. By the way, Godzilla breathes fire, doesn't he? So how in the world could Kong ever beat Godzilla? I mean, you he's know who's going to win that. You know who's going to win that, uh, that battle. He's, he's right? fast and stealthy. I That's see. what it is. All right. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. 
and I find fatherhood both relentlessly. I build lives and communities. And myself. I'm a builder and I lead by experience. How about you? Join Senior Corps RSVP. Lead by experience. At SeniorCorps.gov. Shining a giant spotlight of truth. If the killer was white, we would know all about him. While some remain in the dark. Yet I watched all three cable channels, and I didn't see any reference to the killer. Uh, and I haven't even seen a photo of the killer. Mark Levin. If the media were honest, they would report the way they always report. No matter who the people are, no matter their faith, no matter their backgrounds or ancestries. But they don't do that because they're corrupt. Today after Hannity on WSAU and WSAU.com. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. You said you had something you wanted to talk about. I thought you were pointing at me to read the uh, disclaimer, no, actually. No. Uh, 71T, is that, is it, does that have anything to do with low, low 70, testosterone? 72T, well, it could 72T, be. Yeah. Especially if 72 describes the age. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that might be the case. Yeah. You know, there's an article part of this uh, thing we are talking about with Philip Van Dorn and his article. Uh, which he calls weekend reads. And so it's just a little hot pockets that pop up. And as I looked at it this morning, there were a number of things in there that I think it made sense. So so 72T, and I'll explain exactly what it was in a long time, uh, what it was. A long time ago was all the rage and the stuff you could do. When I was in this business and uh, somewhere around the year 2000, when interest rates were still high enough, you'd have somebody who'd retire at 50 years old <clears throat> because they could take their 401k and turn it into income and bypass the penalties with 72T, and which is a internal revenue internal revenue code section, of course, section 72T. And uh, with that, they'd have the ability to turn out an income stream from their dollars and bypass the penalties. So, so uh, Tom, you could take, you know, because, you know, neither of us are, are old enough, you could take your money and your $10 million in your 401k. Huh. Uh, does your wife know this yet? Huh. <laughs> um, you could take that money prior to 59 and a half and take it out without penalty. Well, it fell by the wayside because interest rates got so low over the course of the last several years that it just didn't really pay. You just had to have so much money. But uh, we saw with the Treasuries going, I'm sorry, with the 10-year Treasury going up, that the interest rates have actually creeped up on that a little bit. And uh, now it actually makes it so it's a, more of a viable candidate than it has been in the past. But the thing is, you still have to have a lot of money to make a reasonable dollar amount on the bottom end because they're still not that high. In fact, I think the interest rates are something like 2.3% or something like that on an annual basis in that neighborhood. So what 72T does is it allows you to take your money and the government gives you three computations and it's an average of the interest rates over the past three months. Um, and you get to choose one of three computations. And of course, everybody chooses the one with the higher interest rate, which I think was like 2.3 or 3.3%. And that was it. It's essentially what the guaranteed rates would be for a long-term bond. And with it, um, you have the ability to say, well, I'm going to retire at 55 years old and I'm just going to take the money from my 401k or 403b, maybe 457 plan. I'm going to start taking it and I'm going to start taking it now in what's called a substantially equal payment plan. So it's this calculation. You can't. You have to take that dollar amount for five years or until 59 and a half, whichever is greater. And you start taking that money out by passing a penalty. So it allows one to say, well, you know, I've, I've, I've saved uh, 1.6 million in my 401k and I need 40,000 a year. And okay, well, now you can do it without penalty. Have to pay the taxes as normal. So it allows us to do that now as where interest rates just were so low that you couldn't. And so it's okay to retire. So in here then, what I'll tell people is that, well, 
let's make sure we have some money in case something happens because one of the problems what people will do is they'll take all of the money in their 401k has to go into an IRA first by the way folks they'll do a 72t but then what happens if the roof leaks the car breaks the furnace breaks down you know water heater goes out there's nothing left and so what we'll do typically is we'll section that off and we'll say all right we're going to take this dollar amount and that's going to be your monthly income We'll take this dollar amount because we know something bad is going to happen and split those two dollars up. And that's one of the big mistakes people will make in that stuff. Um, but it is possible to, prior to 59 and a half, have money if you retire, take it from your 401k, which turns into an IRA. Yes, you have to be separated from service from work. And allows you to retire without that penalty, but with taxes using Section 72T. And again, we haven't done it in a long time just because the interest rates were so low, it didn't work out right. Most people's 401k has to be taxed, that uh, the money was put in there pre-tax, or uh, are there some 401ks if where... If I had to put a percent on it, probably 98%. 98% were pre-tax dollars, and now they mm-hmm. pay the tax coming in. And the only the difference is because of the Roth 401k. But most people don't realize that 401k, that money that went in there was before tax dollars. Yeah. So I guess most people in the 20 to 30 years that they've been putting money in their 401k, isn't their tax rate going to go up the older they get? So they're going to be paying more taxes if they wait instead of taking it out right away? Potentially. Uh, potentially. You know, that's that's kind of the old thing. I mean, the old, uh, if you look back at the original uh, you know, selling point of IRAs back in the 70s was put the money away today so you can take it out later at a lower tax bracket when you retire. Well, how do you get to a lower tax bracket? You make less income. Who wants to do that? Well, nobody. Okay. So so in here then, um, you look at it and say, well, the benefits really are is we have the ability to put the money away and get a tax break today. And so the money that we save on the taxes can save yeah. or can go back into it. We have the ability to save $1,000 but it only costs us 700 because of the tax break, essentially. And so it allows us to get a lot more money away and put it away quicker. So then as a result of that, once we hit retirement, we look at it and say, now how can we mitigate or minimize the amount of tax that we have given what's going on at that point in time? So there's things that are out today that who knows if they're going to be there in five or seven years, but at that point in time, we just simply have to look at what they are then. But we have to get the money first. How do you do that? Well, it depends upon what's out. I mean, you know, some tax... Things that are today may not be here in seven years, but there might be new ones. So you just have to look at whatever they are to try to reduce your taxes as much as possible at that point. 715-845-2155. I tell you what, we'll take a break for some news, and then we'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. There's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. We leave no warrior behind. Wounded Warrior Project is a nonprofit organization created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war. Whether those scars are physical or mental, we're here to make sure that they heal. And whether it's helping those with post-traumatic stress disorder live a normal NICB or visit www.nicb.org. A public service message from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. We've saved the best seat just for you. A moving drive to left center as a pinch hitter. The game invented just for radio. Brewers Baseball on News Talk Sports WSAU. 
The Brewers play the Cardinals this afternoon. Game coverage begins at 12.40 here on the Brewers Station. News Talk Sports, WSAU. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. You know, Tom, before we, uh, we were talking about uh, 72T and the dollar amounts or qualified dollars in retirement at home, but it popped into my head a thing that we haven't watched about or talked about for a long time. And I think it's important to note that's out there, and it's really kind of becomes more of an estate problem um, than anything else. And look, give me an example. So let's say we saved all this money in a 401k, just furthering our conversation from 72 just kind of brings us into this. So let's say, Tom, you have your $10 million IRA, which, you know, your 401k don't becomes be at, an don't IRA. Don't be looking at me. Well, it's just kind of fun to do that because well, I like you, to see the nervousness all, on you. First of all, for those of us who don't know, when you're getting close to retirement age and you want to move that money from your 401k to your mm-hmm. to an IRA, how do you go about doing that? You seek good-looking men like myself. <laughs> well, you can do it on your own too, folks. But, you know, so essentially the money that's inside of a 401k will have to become an IRA to withdraw it. Though there's some rules now that you can take the money from your 401k, I assure your past employer doesn't want you to keep the money there because there's still fees probably associated going to them. So for all practical purposes, folks, expect that your 401k will become an IRA. Many instances, wherever your 401k is, they'll do that conversion for you right there on the spot at that location um, uh, without having to see an advisor should you choose, except an advisor is going to help you with the rules and help you get the money diversified and checkbooks, and they'll help you with a lot more of that stuff unless you want to do it on your own. So let me make sure we say that. But what happens in a lot of instances, and we're seeing it more times than not, is that, um, especially around here versus in a bigger city, you know, but we're, we're not crazy people here in central Wisconsin. We have a lifestyle we want to live on. And for many of us, we save more money than we have the ability for that lifestyle that we're going to have. You factor in Social Security and that whole bit. So <laughs> you see the faces and the looks we're getting. <laughs> yeah, maybe you have. I... <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah. So, so what ends up happening then is that dollar amount. And so if I pass away... <clears throat> Excuse me. If I pass away, my money's going to go to my wife. So she gets it. She goes to my wife. So, so she gets my, and I'm, I'm making up a dollar here, amount, folks. She gets my million dollars of IRA dollars, you know, for my 401ks over the years and IRAs. She gets that million dollars. Well, now when she passes away, guess what happens when it goes to the kids? It's taxable. So now we have a million dollars that's going to be taxable in addition to potential estate taxes because we don't know where they're going at some point in time. Um, you know, so so it becomes a mess. So we all know that in, during retirement and throughout our lives, we need to have money that's inside of, you know, stocks and bonds and cash and, you know, some IRAs and maybe have some real estate and you split it up to different types of asset groups. We all know that. Coffee can buried Coffee in the backyard. Coffee can in the backyard, you know, have a good metal detector so you remember that type of thing. Uh, but the thing we don't know, folks, is how much should be taxable how much should maybe be Roth IRAs? How much should be traditional IRAs or what's called qualified dollars? What blend should that be? And really, nobody knows an answer. So I'm a big proponent of when a person retires, and this is where I differ with some of my accounting friends. Um, I'm a big proponent when a person proponent when somebody retires, start taking some of that money from the IRA dollars. I mean, pay the taxes on it slowly. We can control that depending upon how much we take out and that kind of stuff. But spend some of it now because. I know that at some point in time when we pass away, which is inevitable, I know the mix shouldn't be 95% IRA or qualified dollars and 5% taxable. I know that shouldn't be the mix because it's going to create a huge taxable problem for your kids later on. So along the way, spend some of the money. Let it enjoy. 
we had some clients this past week. They said, well, we have those Roth IRAs. We're going to spend those first. I said, no, you're not. So why is that? I said, because I want those to continue to grow. Why is that? Because the roof is going to leak. The car is going to break down. An emergency will happen. We can control our tax if we take it out of that. But I want your monthly dollar amount to come from your IRAs. We have to pay taxes. Exactly. We don't want this to be huge and become a problem later on where we have too much of it. So talk with your financial advisor. you don't care if your kids have problems with your money. Yeah, unless you don't care. That's fine. Yeah. Um, But, you know, talk to your financial advisor. Talk to your tax professional and, and chat with them about that and say, how do we make sure that we're not getting in that thing where we've just got an enormous amount of money? We have some clients of ours that are sitting on a, a tax time bomb, for lack of a better term of this, and they've got an enormous amount of money between husband and wife sitting in qualified dollars. And upon the second of them pass away, not only are they going to have problems with potentially estate taxes, but they have the income taxes on top of it. The old days, we could have a calculation before we were at, you know, some $11 million that we could pass on to our beneficiaries or whatever the exact dollar amount is today. Um, there are times that a pastor had qualified between estate taxes and income taxes dollars. It was almost 80% tax that was going to disappear in the estate. And so sometimes you just have to do some work and say, well, how can we start getting some of this over-readied, you know, reduced taxes now so that we're not such of a problem later on. And that's where people like Alan Haugum come in. And that's where Alan Haugum comes in. That's... That's really, in that instance, is a place where you have your attorney, your accountant, your financial advisor, your financial professional, um, all working together to try to solve that problem. It's not a problem for you because you and your spouse, because, uh, you know, we're still here, we'll pass away, but it's going to be a mess later on. And so much of all that you worked for is going to go off to the government. Isn't that what we all want to have happen, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alan always says, ask the question, you got two choices. You could pay more and uh, or, uh, spend more and have more money taken out, or you can figure out a way to do it so there's less money taken out. Which one would you like? Mm-hmm. But the, the choice is yours. And, of mm-hmm. course, who in their right mind is going to take the one that's more expensive and, and costs more money? Oh, exactly. Yeah. And this is just... When do you start thinking about that stuff? When you realize it's a problem, you know? Um, and I think some people don't. I mean, that's part of our industry is, is a lot of people don't say, you're, you're having a problem here. You guys might want to take a look at this and, and, and start looking at that. But... Um, I think where the big issue is going to come in is this. So, um, boy, what is it we have the ability to take a state tax free? I think it's 11 million or something like that, some uh, very high number. Yeah, the, most the, of the people within the sound of our voice will yeah, not be affected be by issue. the estate tax, right? It yeah. used to be 680,000. So, if you take that, well, there's probably a lot of people yeah. who put the house and all the stuff on the right. inside. They're going to go over that. And the tax started at 45%, folks. That's how bad it was. Again, past tense. So the Biden administration and part of the stuff they're talking about taxes have already talked about reducing estate taxes to where, who knows, um, but it could start affecting us again. So, you know, one of the things that happened with the 680000 when it was first out there, it didn't matter because nobody's going to hit that dollar amount. Then all of a sudden, everybody was hitting that dollar amount because our estates grew, the economy grew, and the numbers stayed the same. Well, the numbers now have gotten higher. where We're all pretty much okay that we're all out there. If we pass away, our assets are going to go off to our kids without the estate taxes still have federal and state income taxes, of course, on it. Um, but for the estate taxes, but you know, who knows what it's going to get reduced to. So if it get re- gets reduced down to a million dollars, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a problem with this very thing that we're talking about. And again, it's one of those things you got to chat with your financial professional, have a conversation, having a co- conversation with your state attorney accountant, because they're the ones that are going to pop this up and say, okay, I think we have a problem here. we got to get this thing fixed. You know, most people would think when, when they talk about what you do, it's it's to find the best return for their investment dollars, but there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? 
I love you, Tom. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> That's a softball right down the middle for oh, you. Oh, man. <laughs> I just got a little tear in my eye. You know, it really is a big thing. You know, um, folks, anybody can go out there and invest money. Um, whether they invest it correct or not is another conversation. But anybody can go out there and invest money for anybody. You can go out and invest by yourself. I mean, uh, you can go online and do it by yourself should you choose. But when you're working with What do they say it, about an attorney uh, who uh, represents themselves has a fool for a client? Yeah. If somebody <laughs> exactly. tries to invest exactly. for themselves, probably the same uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but, you know, you can actually go out there. The, the benefits of working with an accountant, a financial advisor, an attorney, and, and especially if they all kind of know each other, know your case together, is because they're going to pop up. They're going to see things like this and solve problems before they even occur. And and that's just the the, the, the best part about it with the industry we have. You know, my job is not only to just help a person get a best rate of return on the investments, but it's to make sure that we're orchestrating that we're not forgetting something. It's to make sure that those retirement dollars are going to go through your retirement. Um, I used to make the uh, analogy, just because we're retirement, we, uh, the bus doesn't stop, we hop off, and we're good. No, the bus keeps going even though we retire. We still have to make sure that we're looking at what's happening with taxes. Have things changed? Do we have to make adjustments to portfolios? What inside of taxes do we have to make adjustments for? This? It, it, it's ongoing. It never changes. Or it never stops. A, how big does a portfolio have to be when you have to worry about this stuff? I mean, I would imagine there are people that don't have a huge amount of uh, – doesn't have a don't have a huge amount of money in their 401k don't have a ton of investments there has to be a threshold where it becomes an issue where that you have to deal with and before that it's not you know quite honestly tom i don't know that there's so much a threshold anymore because of nursing home costs um i I just don't think that there's a threshold that's there now we did one of uh uh you know we did an irrevocable trust for mom and uh um we did it my mom's not a millionaire she's not wealthy she's none of that sort of stuff but she saved a couple of dollars, you know, um, and uh, mom was, you know, she's mom's 81. That's her real age. Sorry, mom. I usually say, you know, tease her and tell her she's 88 or 89. But uh, but, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, with with mom saves a couple of bucks, if she were to go to a nursing home, it would screw everything up. Not only would the assets disappear, of course, which is what happens if you have to go on Medicaid. But we have a younger brother that has some special needs. So we got to make sure he's good. So, um, so as a family, we decided, well, we're going to do some stuff. And of course, we used Alan's office, which uh, you know he's a friend and a great job. And so, we did a, a, a trust for mom to protect it. And she's not wealthy by any measure, but we had to do it to make sure that we're protecting somebody in the family and making sure there's a couple of dollars there in case a nursing home gets involved. We have to make sure that's done. So, there's really not a dollar threshold as much as saying. Is there something we need to do to protect ourselves and make sure we're good? And so you have to look at it. So there's no block answer, but I think everybody has to look at it to see if they need some further ideas, thoughts, planning, attorneys, accountants, all that kind of stuff to help them out. All right, we're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more. We have another segment remaining. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. This military general carried a suicide pill. He would use it instead of surrendering on this day, April 10th. At helpmda.org. Thank you. My daughter Brinley is here at St. Jude. Coming here was literally life or death and was so scary. But St. Jude is fighting for one goal, like this one mission, life. And that gave us hope. We haven't received a single bill from St. Jude, so I really can just focus on what's best for Ridley. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only 
and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelchin Associates in Wausau. And uh, <laughs> you found another story on cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. uh, the idea that the United States has to develop a cryptocurrency of their own. With, and I guess we could talk about that a little bit. Would that be... Uh, a complementary thing to the U.S. dollar, or would that be on par with the U.S. dollar? I mean, how yeah. how is that viewed in the financial world, cryptocurrency versus actual hard currency? Um, I'm not exactly sure how that particular part works, but there's an article that's out here by uh, Mark DeCambry, uh, and uh, talks about Mike uh, Novogratz, and I, I, I've heard him many times throughout the course of the investment world. But he talks about it here. Says the the uh, he said to me it is a, is a, it is a existential crisis, and uh, we need a digital dollar. Um, Tom, I've said for years that I think you know there is a digital dollar around the world, and it's called the U.S. dollar because it's used for oil and settling so many things. Um, but everything, of course, goes to the U.S. Uh, bank, and you can't just simply say, "Well, I'm going to send money from from Merle to Tom digitally." Um, uh, as it was before, because it ends up going through the U.S. banking system. Well, why not just simply create a cryptocurrency of the U.S. banking system, which everything comes back to the dollar. It's easy to stop down, cash, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and I think we need to get something like that done. So how does it differ so much from what we're doing right now? I'm guessing just simply speed. Um, it may not be as popular, especially inside of the dark money part of the world, because yeah. they'll know where the money's going. Well, right. And, I would and that's where the people, issue comes in. People that love cryptocurrency don't want it that way. They they want it to be the Wild West. <laughs> I right? completely agree. Yeah, yeah. So in here, China for a long time, um, I don't think they want to have a, the U.S. dollar be part of the cryptocurrency because the U.S. dollar, of course, is the backbone of the what's called a basket of currencies around the world. So the basket of the currency is essentially the U.S. dollar, the pound, the euro, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the China's wanted to be inside of that basket of currencies for a long time. But if, in order for them to do that efficiently, they have to let it free market around the world. And they tend to not want to do that. And so there's always some sort of a problem that happens with that. Um, but as a result of that, the cryptocurrency, of course, is either bitter or uh, sweet for the Chinese government. Because a lot of people inside of China, Chinese people are buying Bitcoin and sending their money all over the place and bypassing the Chinese government to the point where the Chinese government says, well, you're not going to start doing that anymore. It's not going to happen. And so they're looking for something that's a little bit uh, better. I think the U.S. dollar is the way to go. Um, how that works, I don't know. But uh, uh, let's see. I hope the U.S. gets into it and does did, it. Did I see a story this week that the, the most billionaires in the world are actually in China? And I got I have to imagine a lot of that is cryptocurrency, right? Um, wouldn't surprise me. Well, it's probably not cryptocurrency, but it wouldn't surprise me that's where it's being held. Um, because rather than being held inside of the Chinese bank, uh, they don't trust their Chinese banks. I had a conversation recently with somebody where we were talking about you know, socialism and Marxism and uh, part of our conversation was to say, well, geez, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, so many of the, the younger people may not understand fully what capitalism is versus Marxism and socialism. Um, and uh, they said, well, they want to keep going to that type of direction. And, and he, the person I was talking to said, well, geez, some people think they want to turn into a China. I said, what's amazing is that you actually see China trying to turn into us. Uh, look at the amount of billionaires, which is the conversation we had. Any amount of money in Cadillacs and Ferraris that are being sold inside of China, they're trying to turn into us. I think we're going in the wrong direction. 
Um, but the cryptocurrency is in the Bitcoin is where there's a lot of money from China being parked and held and moved around uh, across the world. Um, uh, it's interesting. It's it's doing what it was set out to do. The unfortunate part is they just don't know who's doing it, and that's where the issue comes. We've just got a few minutes left, and if you want to get through, you can still give us a call here, 715-845-2155. There's an op-ed in, uh, on CNBC.com. Boost to tech stocks will not last, and more pain is ahead. So, obviously, things don't go up and up and up and up without um, you know, going down a little bit at some point. Um, are we there with the uh, the tech sector at this point, or how much how much longer can it keep advancing before it uh, adjusts itself? And until the profit shows that it's not showing, it really becomes the case. You know, so many places, and we we're you know hearing about the the electro vehicle marketplace, and Tesla, of course, always pops in there because they're number one in the world at doing it at this point in time. And they look at the profitability versus what the stock price is, and I still don't think Tesla's worth what the price is. Um, I don't have a problem with the company, don't have a problem with their model, don't have a problem with their vehicles, folks. It's just that for the amount of profit that they make, the stock price doesn't warrant it. It seems like it's really, really high to me. And yet, I've said that for, what, three years, five years? And you it probably, keeps going you up. You probably wish you would have bought it five years ago. <laughs> well, there's there's no doubt. I mean, we've had a lot of clients that have made some great money on it, and I still don't think it's worth what the price is, just simply because, you know, I'm an old guy. You know, and the profit's got to match up with the stock prices. And so with it, we're going to see the same thing happen with, you know, Facebook and and uh, Google and all these and, and Amazon and say, okay, are their profit consistent with where the stock price is? Are they overpriced? And there's all kinds of multiples folks out there. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones and easiest ones, if you've been following the, the investment world, you'll know what this is. If you're new to this business, uh, there's a thing called a P.E. ratio, which is simply profit divided by earnings. It gives you a ratio. You get to have the ability then to measure it against your peers and see if your price is too high or too low based on what your earnings are. So the difficult part is, is a lot of the companies that people are chasing today and that are running up, when you do the profit divided by earnings, earnings are zero. And what's any number divided by zero? Well, zero. And so then why would they have a stock price becomes the next question. Uh, but they do for maybe whatever they're going to do inside of the future. But no matter what, you have to see what the peers is. You know, if we take a look at the P.E. ratio of Apple, Apple builds computers and PCs that should have a P.E. ratio that's relatively in the same neighborhood of maybe a, a Dell. I don't know where the two matched in the top of my head, but that's just a comparison that you look at. So it'll happen for many of these technology stocks. Of course, they all... The big ones, they all dropped pretty good this year. At one point in time, as much as 12 or 15% down in the earlier part of the year. Um, eventually, it all comes down to where it's where's their probability and possibility of building profit and how's it going. Um, if they can't hold up, there's going to be a price adjustment in here, including stocks like Tesla. All right. Well, we're just about out of time here. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Folks, we will be in the office, uh, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop on in. Have a cup of coffee, kick the tires, say hello and hi, and there's probably some sort of snacks going to be on the counter if you want some. Um, you can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600, outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100, or find us online at kelchandassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. All right, brother. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. It's coming up at 9 o'clock. We've got the news. The polka shows are on the way, and Brewer Baseball returns this afternoon after a day off yesterday. Milwaukee and the Cardinals square off from St. Louis. That's weather permitting, of course. And uh, we'll be on the air with the pregame show at 1240 right here on WSAU. Yeah, military life can happen.